Nation. And on the 994th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. I am, of course, your host, Colin. We have a jam-packed episode today. We're going to talk about Don Riddell's new contract, the Stadium Series ticket controversy. We're going to touch on the Prospect Showcase, talk about the Hurricanes' cap space situation, and then finish off with training camp news. But before we get into any of that, I actually want to start off the top of the show by talking about a loss in the Carolina Hurricanes community. Wally Tatamire died at the age of 76 this weekend. He was a longtime Hurricanes equipment manager, working as part of the legendary trio that was Skip Cunningham, Bob Gorman, and Wally Tatabio. Um He had started working for the organization back in 1994 when Peter Kamanos took charge, but he had been longtime associates with former Carolina Hurricanes general manager Jim Rutherford. The two originally met when Rutherford played for the Detroit Red Rings, and Wally was just an occasional helping hand for the organization. He was always ahead of everything. He was so prepared for what players wanted and what the team needed. Those are the words of Jim Rutherford. The same Jim Rutherford who would bring Wally aboard after being put in charge of Peter Kamanos's junior team years before Kamanos ever became an NHL owner. But when he did, and Jim Rutherford became the general manager, Mr. Rutherford brought his friend with him, and they worked together in Carolina until Wally retired in 2012. For those of you who don't know who I'm talking about, just go to the Hurricane social media site. I will also be linking an article down below from Luke DeCock of the News and Observer. Those three legendary equipment managers aren't just legendary because we recognize them or because we knew their names. The players loved them. Wally himself was known for the pure magic he could pull when sharpening your skates just the way you wanted them every time. They never felt any different. And he has been missed from the organization since his retirement, and now he leaves behind a grieving family. Here at Home Ice Advantage, we can't claim to be a history-focused podcast if we're not going to take the time to recognize the legends of the organization when they pass. For his many years of service, we simply would like to thank him and hope he rests in peace. Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic reported earlier this week that Don Riddell had officially signed an extension to his you know, contract to be general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. Going into his fifth full season, Riddell has a pretty respectable record here. Uh, to be quite honest, no one saw him going anywhere. He probably has one of the closest GM-owner relationships of anyone in the league. According to Don and Tom themselves, they talk multiple times a day on an average day, sometimes up to 10 to 15 times, sometimes as little as three or four times. I also want to look at what his team has done in those four seasons. So his fourth season of 2018-2019, the team went 46, 29, and 7. 
That's the magical year of Rod Sforstier as a coach. We not only made it to the playoffs, but we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals to be swept by the Boston Bruins. But we had a total of 99 points that season. In 2019-2020, the forced, shortened COVID season, the Hurricanes finished with a respectable 81 points out of a possible like 120-something and would make it into the playoffs after playing the Rangers, actually sweeping the Rangers in the qualifying round in the bubble that season. The following season of 2020-2021, yet another shortened COVID season, but this time with less games, the team got 80 points. They were the fourth in the Central Division and made it to the second round to be eliminated by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then we have this last season, the season we just witnessed, the 2021-2022 season. And this is where things get interesting. The team went 54-20-8 with 116 points, the best season in franchise history. They were the fourth in the Metro, winning the division for the second year in a row, and they would lose to the New York Rangers in the second round in Game 7. I don't think we need to relive that. But I want to talk about his winning percentage. So first we're actually going to talk about Ron Francis's winning percentage, who was only the GM for four full seasons. Ron's first season of 2014-2015, the team had a 365 winning percentage. The following one, it improved to 426. The year after that, it improved yet again to 439. I think you're seeing that all of these are below 500, and the team never made the playoffs under Ron Francis. It's debatable if they ever would have. Personally, I lean towards not. But in those four seasons, his average winning percentage was .417. Don Waddell is a completely different story, and maybe you can point to the caliber of players he had, or the coach himself, but I would say that the caliber of players between Ron Francis's last year and Don Riddell's first year is negligible at best. And you could say that, well, it was Rod Brindamore's coach. Cool. Why didn't Ron Francis make him coach? He extended Bill Peters. He definitely could have given the job to Ron Francis. And Don Riddell's fourth season, 1819, he had a 560 win percentage and made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Again, to be swept by Boston, but I don't know why I keep bringing it up. It's a sore spot for me. And in the following year, they did about the same with a 558 win percentage. And honestly, if they just stayed at that being a bubble team, I don't think any Hurricanes fans were going to complain for at least a couple years. But then the following season, in 2020-2021, at a winning percentage of 642. In his first four seasons, he has a total winning percentage of .604 which is good. Uh, He's made the playoffs every single year. The team is now back-to-back division championships. He has fleeced multiple teams, whether it's Vegas this season with Pacioretty, even if Pacioretty never plays. Don Riddell still had the hindsight to make the deal, which cost them absolutely nothing. And let's talk about the Vincent Trocek trade, where he fleeced Florida. I know a lot of fans like to second-guess Don Riddell now, and, oh, what does he know? Oh, this is a bad decision, whether it's about TDA or Nadelkovic or even Bean or Flory. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. Look at the results. And Tom Dutton agrees with me. I only know this because he recently extended his contract. Also, they talk multiple times a day. Every day. The crazy part about this story to me is that this signing, or I guess not signing, but re-signing of Don Waddell has been completely drowned out by other news events that have surrounded the team. 
And the biggest of them has been the Stadium Series tickets that went on sale for the first time last week. If you listen to the Sorgecast that I appeared on last Wednesday, or I guess last Thursday, which if you haven't, go ahead and listen. Zach and Bailey are great. You already know that I have opinions on this, but I'm going to try to provide more information. So the game is going to be February 18th at Carter-Finley Stadium. The Carolina Hurricanes will take on the Washington Capitals in the NHL Outdoor Stadium Series game. Cool. We all know all of this. And actually, some recent news is that there will be a stage on field and fans will be allowed standing room general admission tickets to actually stand on the field and watch the game. Uh, ESPN reported today that there will actually be like an elevated platform uh, in between the stage and the ice to give fans a better vantage point. And the Associated Press, who I will link below, was the first one to talk about it, how the league wants it to be kind of like a NASCAR race where fans are literally in the center of the track and they'll bring their RVs and tailgate and watch the race from in the center. This seems like a great nod to me uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes to do. They're so big on tailgating. It's what makes us unique within the National Hockey League. Why not play into it in one of our unique events? But the controversy here comes from the first allocation of tickets that was released on Wednesday last week, right as this episode would have dropped. Oh, well, right as the last episode would have dropped. And it was just for full season ticket members. And as always, Kane's Twitter way overreacted. Season ticket members were just jerks. And no one's been able to talk about anything else for a week now. And to be very, very clear, yes, there were season ticket members who bought tickets through that first allocation and are now trying to sell it for more than 10 times of face value. There were a couple meme ones that are like $10,000 a ticket. No one's going to buy that. 100% that is someone trolling you. But there are realistic ones that are four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars that someone might actually buy and is nowhere near what face value of any of those tickets are. And you wouldn't believe how quick people were to jump to, oh, so I can't get my ticket? I'm a partial season ticket member. What am I worthless? Or, hey, I'm not a season ticket member, but I'm still a fan. Why can't I buy a ticket? What am I worthless? And to be honest, guys, uh, take a beat. Just take a beat. The team wants to sell tickets, and they are going to sell tickets, except actually they're not, because it's a league-run event, but we'll get back to that later. Carter-Finley Stadium has almost three times the capacity of PNC Arena. The chances are that if you want to go to this game, you're going to be able to go to this game. And now that they're even allowing fans, general admission, standing room-only tickets on the field, there's even more (laughs) tickets available. So just take a beat. My best advice on this would be to just not buy those tickets. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. There's no way that there aren't going to be general admission face value tickets put on sale at some point. Just wait. Be patient. Don't overreact. But I want to get back to how the league is in charge of this. This is not a Carolina Hurricanes production. It is a National Hockey League production. And that's going to make things a little bit more challenging for the Hurricanes and for regular fans and season ticket members or people who just go to games a lot and are used to the Hurricanes' practices. Mike Foreman, who is the chief marketing officer for the organization, said this when responding to a fan's, I don't want to say criticism, but criticism of the situation on Twitter. Can't share specifics with it being a league event and ticket ops slash sales ran through them, but we did sell out of our first allotment. Keynote is that it's only the first allotment, not a sold-out stadium. 
but demand was through the roof nonetheless, which was great. After hearing that, I hope you can understand why I'm saying just take a beat and calm down, chill, wait. Because no one has had their last opportunity to get tickets here. Most people haven't had their first. Give it time. Speaking of time, I want to talk about timing. Because for today's episode, I had outlined an entire cap explanation, explaining how much cap space you have, and why there is some confusion within the fanbase. So I will easily go over why there's some confusion in the fanbase. A lot of people look at cap-friendly, because cap-friendly is stupid amazing. And currently, it shows that we are above the cap by $2,616,000. Now, technically, we are, because in the off-season, there is no injury reserve. There is no long-term injury reserve, so you can't really place anyone on it. Your cap hit is just however many millions of dollars you have spent that are going to hit your cap. So in this case, Max Pacioretty and Jake Garner are still healthy, you know. Okay, I shouldn't use the word healthy, but they are still affecting the cap. And once the season starts, Max Pacioretty will be put on LTIR. And breaking news from Luke DeCock is that Jake Garner is not going to be at training camp, and he will likely spend this season on LTIR as well. The final year of his contract, and I mean, we're going to get to it a little bit later, but this is most likely the end for Gardner's career. But the basic confusion here is that why are we over the cap if Pacioretty was going to be on LTIR, and it's just because Cap Friendly does not show anyone in LTIR, well, I should rephrase, does not change the cap hit for anyone in LTIR until the season starts. If Jake Garner and Max Pacioretty are on LTIR, our opening night cap space will be $8,433,000. And even once Patches returns, the cap hit will be $1.4 million. And that's obviously without any new signing, so if Stepan gets signed or Dahan gets signed, that will change. The reason why this is poor timing is because I had laid out why I think we should trade Ethan Bear and how it works for the cap, and then Jake Garner could be on a second power play, again, which I talked about last episode, and then Luke DeCock just shot an arrow through my heart and was like, yeah, nah, fam, that's not happening. Which sucked, but I guess we should move on to the highlight of this weekend, the Canes 5K slash the Prospect Showcase. So I don't know who made the decision to have the Canes 5K and the Prospect Showcase line up, so on Sunday you could run the 5K and then go into PNC Arena to watch the Prospect Showcase, but that was a great decision. Someone deserves a raise or a promotion or whatever. The highlight of this showcase for a lot of people was going to see Ryan Suzuki play and Jameson Reese, both of who have high expectations, one of who is better than the other, but we're not going to get into that right now. And throughout the weekend, I was originally going to go to all three of the Hurricanes games, but unfortunately, I only got to go to the one against Tampa. And if you follow me on Twitter, you got to see where I was watching the game, and all weekend I had heard about Jameson Reese being good and how good he was, and blah 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 blah. And it wasn't until I, you know, got to watch him that I can officially cosign. Jameson Reese is a Carolina Hurricane. He matches the system so well. He never gave up. He put in all of the extra effort. He was all about board battles. Like, huh. I love Jameson Reese. That's that's what happened there. I also. 
the meme of Bobby Orr is getting old now, so I wanted to see if he, I, I don't mean it like this, but, you know, had talent. And it's funny because he didn't, he wasn't flashy. You know, like no one, I wasn't tweeting about how I could co-sign on him like I did with Reese. But it just seemed like he did every little thing right. Like I didn't see him make a mistake. And of, of course, I only watched the one game, but in that one game, I did not see him make a mistake. And then it's funny because, again, I only got to see the one game against Tampa. But that's probably where the highlight of the weekend came from. Now Reese with a good chance there, and Alnafelt with the save. Keynes with some oh. pressure. Oh, the lacrosse move! Alexander Pashin pulls off the Svechnikov behind the net. Tucks it past Alnafelt. There's a highlight real goal. Alexander Pashin, or Pashin? One of the two. It's, it's pronounced either the first one or the second one. We'll find out. Scores. The Svechnikov, or the lacrosse goal, or whoever you want to call it. And if I'm going to be honest, is this the most impressive thing of all time? No. But when I was sitting there in the rink, did I drop my phone when I jumped up because it is not at all what I expected? Yes. I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again many, many times because it seems to come up a lot. But I don't normally watch prospects. I'm sorry. I am indebted to the people who do because if it wasn't for you, I would have literally no idea what I'm talking about. But I mainly just read the articles going into the draft and then after the draft giving us grades. And every once in a while, I'll look at the updates about what our prospects are doing, but I couldn't name more than five off the top of my head. So the prospect showcase to me is just kind of getting back into the swing of things. It was really nice to be able to sit in PNC Arena and watch a hockey game. It felt like I was home and I tweeted as such. And it really means that the season is right around the corner. In fact, depending on when you're listening to this, training camp could already be open. If you're listening to it on Wednesday when it gets released, then tomorrow they will start training camp. Thursday, September 22nd at 9 a.m., the Hurricanes will have their first official session of training camp, which is really just physicals, but I'm fine with it. There were a couple of random things I saw people asking questions about when it came to training camp. The first one is a lot of people were confused why Max Pacioretty is going to be at training camp. And I mean, this one's kind of easy to me, I thought. But he can't skate. Yeah, I mean, he did just have surgery. But he can do still do other strength and conditioning tasks that don't involve that specific leg. In fact, maybe this is a weird story about to go on, but when I was a high school athlete, and people got injured, they were expected to continually work out with what they could do. If you broke your arm, well, you better to do a lot of cardio. If you broke your leg, well, go pick up some weights, get to work. You were never allowed, if they wanted you, you know, to stay active and come back fast, to take a step back and relax and just try to recover. You were always doing something. And that's what is happening with Patches here. He's going to participate. He is going to lift a rate or two. He is going to walk around. I mean, he was at the prospect showcase at Invisalign Arena in a boot because he's still part of the team. But everything else involving the training camp is pretty standard. You know, all the goalies you expect to be there are going to be there. Pretty much everyone else you expect to be there, whether it's Ryan Suzuki or even, hey, why not Ryan Dezingle, they're all going to be there. And 
if anything to me, this just really means that the season is starting. So from tomorrow or the past, again, whenever you're listening to this, but from Thursday, the 22nd of September until opening night of October 12th, there will only be three days off for Hurricanes players and media. Guys, it's like, it started. It's here. The season is here. If you're interested in watching any of the, you know, training camp sessions, unfortunately, the only time that any of it's open to the public is at Visalign Arena. And the first one of those will be on October 1st at 8.30. I believe it's the C1 group practice at, I don't know, like 8 a.m. Something. It's really early in the morning. But that will be your first time being able to watch the team practice if you feel so inclined. Thank you for listening to this episode. This is the start of the wrap-up, but I got a lot to say here, so don't just turn me off. First, I was supposed to be on the Storm Cellar this week, and then, unfortunately, some scheduling, just, there was a lot. So, I was not, but you should still go listen to the episode. It was a great episode on the 25th anniversary of the team. As I think you can tell this episode, the new season is going to come with a lot of changes for the show. Hopefully, they are all great. I'm sure a couple of them will fail miserably, and I will never do them again, or talk about them again, or even acknowledge them. But a lot of them are going to be a lot of fun. I have a lot of exciting things planned. There probably won't be any more special history episodes, at least not for the first bit of the season, just because I'm going to have to get used to covering the news. And I also want to make sure that everyone knows that there is links to everything I talked about down below in the description of this episode, including the links to all of our social media pages, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. It's all there for you. We also have our merch down below. Defend the barn. Positive vibes only. You know the deal. It's all listed below, so take your time. Don't forget about the Caniac hotline at 919-278-7057. Call with pretty much whatever, whether it's a question, an opinion on one of my bad takes, or you want to, you know, just randomly share a thought about the Carolina Hurricanes with us. We are here for you. Thank you so much for listening. As always, remember, go listen to the Sorgecast after you listen to this episode. I was just there last week. And listen to the Storm Cellar, because while I wasn't there, you should still support those guys. The show's incredible. As always, I appreciate you guys for listening, and I'll see you next week.